you know, that was a different time in my life, man. I was, I was, I was a different dude back then, man. I, you know, I, I come from the street, man. I was a different dude back then. In the early nineties, I was selling dope. I was on the trap. I was doing, I was doing some different things, man. And um, you know, I wasn't always doing this comedy thing. I didn't start doing comedy until like, like, like I said, ninety seven. You know, I started off on. I, I was working on another radio show. I was working on. I was in talk radio. I was on Kim Peterson's show. Wow. Back in in the in the early nineties on WGST, it was a Lily White uh, talk radio show. Talk <laughs> Lily White station. I was the only brother over there doing anything. I was in. It was it was me, Kim Peterson, Sean Hannity was not. He he worked in our same little cubicle. We were all in the same little thing. Yeah. Sean came to my wedding. What? He, we were friends. Sean Hanley. He came to my wedding, yeah. In the hood. In the hood. He was one of my first white friends I had. Hot breath. What's up, Hot breath of This is your favorite host, Joel Byers, and welcome back to your favorite podcast. Hot breath. Oh, that old familiar sound. Every week you can tune in right here to catch interviews with the dopest comics and influencers in the game. And today we have no exception. This is a one-of-a-kind interview with this gentleman. In researching him, as you know, I thoroughly research all of my interviews. I could not find an interview, really, he had done that dove headfirst into just his story and how he came up from the bottom. Now we're here. So really, if this is your first time tuning in, there's over 120 other Hot Breath episodes for you to catch up on. But really, this is a great one to start with here at Hot Breath episode 124. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your time. Let's get into it, as there is only one thing left to do, and that is inhale a hot breath with special nice little mics here k get ready to get going here nice mic you like man that what nice microphone this ain't no i pr- wow coming from somebody who's been on the radio this so ain't long. no slouch that yeah, this is... you didn't get this from family dollar <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to open up with your dollar Dollar Tree bit? Did you want to go ahead and open up with that? <laughs> hey, hey, whatever. I'm following your lead, man. Hey, man, we out here. Right. Yeah, that looks pretty good right yeah, there. Yeah, that does. I don't know. Yeah. Is that? Exactly. Yeah, it's good enough? Yeah. I, think that, I like it. Yeah, yeah. So here we are, Special K. Yeah, for sure. What's up? Out here at the radio station. Yeah. High 1079 in Atlanta where we record the uh, Ricky Smiley Morning Show every day, 6 to 10, Monday through Friday. Yep. <laughs> That's what we do. Although I actually work from seven to about nine thirty, so. But you're still here. Yeah, I'm still here. Are you here all day? Like, is that how the game is? Nah. Um, today was unusual because I wanted to. Uh, well, I needed to meet you down here. I had a uh, doctor appointment down the street, and so, and then I got to be back here at like three thirty because I got another thing I got to shoot. So it didn't make sense for me to go all the way home. So I just said, well, let me just stay down here. I've been here since like six this morning. <sighs> Man, that yeah. grind, that morning radio grind. Yeah, be, man, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a long day. It ain't as bad as when we first started. When we first started, we were in Dallas. We were just in Dallas. And um, me and Ricky used to get up. I, I, we used to get up at like 4 to head to the station. Because we had to go on at 5 because uh-huh. it was Central Time. So we had to go on at 5. So we'd get up at 4 because we, we were standing. Uh, uh, he had a house down there. 
And so I would stand with him at the house, and we would get up at 4 and go to the station. So when I got to Atlanta, it's like getting to sleep in an extra hour. Because I, now I get up at 5 because we got to be here at 6. So anyway. How did you even get the show? Man, you know what? People say, how did you get on the radio? I'm like, I don't even know. We were on the road together. You know, we were traveling together on the road. I was opening up with him. And, oh, um, Ricky. Yeah, That's with Ricky. Like, uh-huh. And um, we, uh, he, he liked that Walmart bit that I was doing. Uh-huh. And he fell in love with the Walmart bit. And, and, and he was like, look, man. Well, he's I, you know, I got this radio show in Dallas. I just started like eight, nine months early. He said, why don't you come down there? And just hang out for like a week. He said, I like just like the way you think. He said, um, come hang out down there for a week and just just make up some, just create some shit. Just do some stuff on the radio. Whatever you want to do. Because they was just trying to get traction. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I went down there for a week and uh, came up with a character that really popped with the radio show. And I'm not going to reveal it because we he still... He still shows up from time to time. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> but they don't know me. And, um, Black yeah. Tony? <laughs> no, it wasn't even that one. It wasn't even that one. It was oh, a different okay. one. And, um, man, and the week turned into two weeks, turned into a month, turned into, I just moved down there. So, but I did, but I was back and forth between Atlanta and, and then a year later, we got syndication. They decided to relocate the show to Atlanta. Bam, here we are, 11 years later. You've been doing the show 11 years. 11 years. <laughs> 11 years later, here we are, man. Yo. So, yeah, 2007 we started. Where was your comedy career at that time? Were you just like an open mic or more? Um, like, no, nah, I was never really I never I was never really an open micer in the sen- in the true sense because when I started doing comedy in 97, I um I was going out on the road with some more when you started, when I started, like I, I did, I mean, I you know, I did the, I did a little bit of the open mic stuff, just to kind of figure out what I was doing, because you know, I was a stripper before that. <laughs> I was, I was Are a male stripper. Serious? Yeah. What was your name? I'm dead strip. It was a Special K. Well, it was the Hitman when I first started. The Hitman. It was, yeah, it was a Hitman. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's the cheesiest shit. It's the cheesiest shit I ever did. But it was like, <laughs> but it was good to me. I was making. I was. I was. I was all right. You know, I was doing good. It was a good. It was a good living. That was here in Atlanta. I started in Miami, and then oh. I moved to Atlanta. Uh-huh. I moved back to Atlanta when I got out of the military, and so I started in Miami, and then I moved back to Atlanta, and I did it up here for a couple of years before I got married. And when I got married, that was the end of that shit because she she wasn't with that. Oh, I didn't know if that's how you met. Nah, nah, she wasn't. Nah, she wasn't. She was like, "Look, come on, dude. You, I know you're not gonna be the hitman." Yeah, she's like, no, nah, that ain't gonna happen. Hit but then, house. yeah, but then the special K thing came. The special K thing came along. I don't know. I don't even know who gave me that name. One of the other, one of the other uh, crews I was stripping with. Somebody came with the name <laughs> Special K. Yeah, it was like a Magic Mike type thing. Oh, okay. I, mean, I know you've seen Magic yeah, Mike yeah, several yeah. times. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. But you watch a Magic Mike several times by yourself. Um, <laughs> Steven Soderbergh's a great director. Yeah. Okay. He we, did yeah. all the Ocean's Eleven movies. Yeah. That's that's how we gonna yeah we're gonna couch that <laughs> with with the whole Steven Soderbergh. Water. Too. Okay. Yeah. That's why you watch Magic Mike. That's how segue. You get some. Water. How do you admit to your friends that you watch Magic Mike? How do how do you how do you as a straight Mail, how do you how do you tell your friends that yes, I saw Magic Mike? Well, I just talked about it with my movie friend. He's a director out in LA. Okay. So we can appreciate a movie for the storyline. And also yeah. Steven Steven Soderbergh, the director, is right. like a legitimately 
like acclaimed director. I know he's a he's a big time. So he's a big deal. It's gonna be a good movie just based on that. Matthew McConaughey's a dope actor. Like yeah, but how did? But come on, man. How did? How, but when, I watched when, it with my wife. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that clears me up. That gets me any clout out here. <laughs> yeah, you got. I mean, you got to say that. Yeah, you got to dress it up with something. That's that's some salad you need some dressing on. You can't just say. Like, you can't just call one of your homies up and be like, hey, Chris, yo, come on over to the crib, man. I want to watch Magic Mike. And I was like, huh? I don't know if I want to watch Magic Mike, man. Like Magic Mike and chill. I ain't going to lie. I watched it because I had a, I had, you know, I had a, I had a, a, a what do you call it? What's the word I'm looking for? I felt like a certain, you know, relationship to Nostalgia. the film because yeah. I had done it. I had literally done that. And so I was interested in watching it. And I didn't focus on the guys' bodies, mm-hmm. you know, at all. <laughs> Trust me, believe me on that. Okay. Um, couple of them were fairly impressive. I, I'm not gonna lie. Oh, the, the like the big dude, Joe Montan- Montenegro. Dude, man, that dude is beautiful, man. Like I'm saying, no homo. That dude is beautiful, man. But that dude, like he's married to um, what's her name from uh, Modern Family, the the Hispanic chick. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, Sophia. Sophia Vergara. Yeah. yeah, that dude is. Like, not that you were looking at their body. If I look like that dude, yeah, like I would do, I wouldn't, I would do nothing else but just, I would just be him all day. Is the crew you ran with? Do you guys have somebody like him in it? Um, no. Well, yeah, we had one guy that danced with us, uh, who was big like that. He was like a huge mountain of a guy, uh-huh. but you know, he wasn't like all pretty like like that Montenegro, Montenegro, whatever how you say his name. He's like if you just like took. He's like he's molded, like he was like created. Like this dude is like if you took Tom Brady and mixed him with The Rock and mixed him with, um, um, uh, uh, what's the other beautiful guy from uh, Hangover? Oh um, you're really getting into this. What's uh, okay? Look, man. <laughs> I mean, I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not saying like is anything wrong. Like if I had to be gay, I'm just saying. Oh, uh, okay. Like I would want to do like him. Okay. Can we go in a whole well, different you direction just, you with this? You just got divorced. You still have time. To... I didn't get divorced. I'm still married. Oh, okay. I'm still married. Oh, okay. I was we don't say, like each other. Now, but you can shoot married. your shot now if you were divorced. You can nah, nah. I don't want to go that route, man. I don't, I decided I don't want to be like I don't want to be gay. I, I can't. I can't do that. I like women. Okay. And I enjoy vagina um, <laughs> a lot. See, see how I'm trying to clean it up. I'm trying yeah, to be. Yeah, you know, yeah. I enjoy that. Immensely, like and and titties. I like I like the combination of the three, because you gotta say three because it's three of them. Oh right, like, right, right. and I like yeah, people yeah. say, whoa, the combination of no, it's two. It's not two. It's two titties and then one vagina. Like I like the combination of all three, and just all the things you can do with that. So there's no chance of me being gay. So any gay people out there watching, any gay guys in Atlanta, which I know there's a lot of them in this city in particular, I'm not joining. Okay, despite all your invitations, he's doing that for himself. Not interested. He's convincing himself right now. Really not interested. When now, you, when you were dancing, were there was it primarily females or were there dudes out there too? Oh no, it was all chicks, man. It was all chicks. It was back all then. chicks. It was all chicks. Like, um, it. I'm telling you, man, it was a beautiful life. For, really? for I did it for eight years. It was a beautiful eight life. Years? Yeah, I did it for a long time. Was there like an open mic circuit, kind of like comedy? Hey, you had some like bad gigs. You had to. Um, yeah, yeah, I had, I had a, I had a particularly nightmarish <laughs> gig that I can remember. I had a, 
Yeah. Oh, man. So I had this gig. So these chicks had asked me and this other guy, could we come and do a private party for them, right? Ooh. It was a bachelorette party. And this was in Miami. And they wanted me and this guy. They was going to pay us, you know, nice, like, I think like $300 or something like that to come do the private party. So they had the penthouse suite in the hotel. They, they had us come up there. And they was like, so it was my first time doing a private party. I had been used to doing the clubs. Uh-huh. So I had to get some culture from him. He was like, look. So we was in the other room getting ready. And they was waiting for us out there. So they was getting drunk and playing the music and all this shit. It was like 30 black women just horny and loud and crazy ridiculous so he was like yo he said look man you got you got to you you got to like you know get you a little fatty going he said you don't want to be like all the way up but you need to get a fatty get you a little heavy going so i was like how the fuck do i get so he was like get you a little heavy going he's like just you know just just pump it up man come on now you know pump it up and pump it up tie it off so you know we use you use some little ring things so like, oh, pump it up, that, tie it off. Okay. And uh, so I was nervous. So he went out to do his thing first, and then I was going to come out and do my thing second. So when he came back from doing his thing, he had money all over me. I'm like, okay. He's like, yo, they ready. They ready. He said, get right. Get right. And go on out there and do your shit, man. And so I was trying to get right. <laughs> and I actually, I went too far with it. Oh. I stepped, like, I beat... <laughs> I went too far with getting right, and I got, like, all the way right. And, um, yeah, man. And then I went all the way, like, it was, oh, man, it was ugly. And I had to go out there, and I wasn't right. Oh, wait, you went all the way right, and then. I went all the way right. Like, he said, look, man, (laughs) just, he was like, look, man, just go halfway with it, tie it off, and go. But I guess my adrenaline was pumping, and I got into it. And next thing I know, I was like, oh, I was like, oh shit. Oh, I went, went too far. Yeah, way. I went too far. <laughs> I went way too far. And then oh, I had no. to go out like that. So yeah, that was a oh, that, Yeah, that didn't that didn't turn out well. Cause they wasn't impressed with um the aftermath of what I went out uh. there with. They, yeah, it was it, yeah. Can we change the subject, oh, man? Can we talk it, about man. kids or something? Yeah, I literally blew it. That's how you want to segue into kids. I literally talk blew about- it. Blowing kids before a oh, man, this is going all wrong. Party. Yeah, this is going all wrong. No, this is these are stories people don't know about you, man. This is yeah, people here. don't like a lot of people don't know that about me, man. I got a very checkered past. I got so many things to be ashamed of in my life. Weren't you in the pen for a little while? Too? I was. I did. I did eighteen months in the pen. Um, I did eighteen months in the Fed um, because I was I was involved in a situation where. You ever do something that you 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 don't know is actually a federal crime, but it is. <laughs> like I didn't know that if you give a bank checks that don't have your name on it, and they give you the money anyway, I didn't know that was a crime. I thought that was like a eh, got y'all. You know, I thought it was like a trick, like a misdemeanor. You yeah, didn't I, thought, I thought it was like you know y'all fell for a trick. It was just a gag. I didn't know y'all was really gonna catch it. How much money are we talking? <sighs> a couple hundred thousand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of checks. It was a lot of checks. And they they kept giving me the money. So I'm like, oh, shit, okay. Is this easy? (laughs) But that was... You know that was a different time in my life, man. I was Yo. I was I was a different dude back then, man. I, you know I I come from the street, man. I was a different dude back then. In the early '90s, I was selling dope. I was on the trap. I was doing I was doing some different things, man. And um, you know, I wasn't always doing this comedy thing. I didn't start doing comedy until like 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 I said, '97. So, you know, I started off on I, I was working on another radio show. I was working on um 
I was working on I was in talk radio. I was on Kim Peterson's show. Wow. Back in in the in the early nineties on WGST. It was a Lily White uh talk radio show. Talk <laughs> Lily White station. I was the only brother over there doing anything. I was in it was it was me, Kim Peterson, Sean Hannity was in our he he worked in our same little cubicle. We were all in the same little thing. Yeah. Sean came to my wedding. What? He, we were friends. Sean Hanley. He came to my wedding, yeah. In the hood. In the hood. He was one of my first white friends I had. From the hood to Hannity. Before he became a real, complete, crazy, ridiculous right-wing asshole. He wasn't like that back then? He was, but he was he was tolerable back then. Okay. Dude, you got to understand, Hannity came from Alabama. He was a house painter. <laughs> he was a fucking Hanny was he dropped out of he dropped out of college, I think, or high school or some shit like and he was painting houses. He was a contractor in Birmingham. He's a caller to Rush Limbaugh and all these other shows. He's he was a caller. And huh. he's a call into the shows and somebody in Alabama uh asked him to come and fill in for somebody because they liked him as a caller. And that gig led to him being picked up by WGST in ninety like three, I think it was, and uh, ninety ninety three ninety four something like that. And they brought him. He came over to Atlanta and he started doing, you know, picking up some steam here. And Limbaugh started letting him sub for him. Hmm. Limbaugh started letting because he was a young, good looking, you know, hardcore right wing guy. Man, we had so many like philosophical and political conversations. Back then, because I was a, I was a, I consider myself, I was a, like a right winger back then. I was a Republican. Drug dealer. A right winger. Yeah, but I was selling dope. I was like yeah. on the trap, but I was, I was, my politically, I was like more aligned with the Republicans back huh. then. And so we had a lot of conversation. He came to my wedding. I mean, we was cool. And then he got picked up by, uh, you know, filling in for Limbaugh, and that's how Fox got a hold of him. And, uh, and then he went to Fox, and that was like... I mean, I could probably get in touch with him right now if I if I if I really wanted to. How long were you there for? Um, I was there from ninety three, ninety four to. I was there from like ninety. What was I there from? Ninety five, I think, to ninety seven, ninety eight. And then you started comedy. I started comedy, and yeah, I, and here's how I started comedy. So they thought I was. I I used to call myself fresh from the hood. That was my that was my moniker. I was fresh. <laughs> Because I, I, like, I used to call in all the time. That's how I got my gig. I used to call in huh. and be funny. And I was the only black guy that ever called the show. And I would be funny. They asked me to come be part of some live event. They would do Freak Nick, 96. They asked me to come be a part of 94. They asked me to come be a part of Freak Nick. They were, they were covering. They they set up a a remote in front of the station right there on, um, on, on, on Peachtree Street. They set up a remote. And they wanted me to commentate all the different things. And be kind of like the bridge to the white community as to what Freak Nick was all right, about, right, right. and that started my gig there. And uh, 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 um, uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, okay, so I was fresh from the hood. Uh, so, god damn it, I lost my. What were you, you asking me? You were what? talking about Freak Nick and doing the for the AM station. The right, 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 right. Got into comedy from that. how I got into comedy from that. Right. So they had a comedy show. They booked a comedy show. They said, hey, we want you to do, um, we want you to headline our comedy show. And I'm like, I'm saying to myself, I ain't no fucking comedian. They said, well, headline a comedy show. And I'm saying to myself, I'm not a comedian. They said, we'll pay you $1,500. I said, fuck. I said, I'm, I just became a comedian. It's better like, than 300 Yeah, I'm like, I just became a comedian. Fuck that. So 
I went. We was at the 14th Street Playhouse at the time. And I went and did, I did 45 minutes of comedy. I know, dude, it was, it was. Did it work though? Yeah, it worked. Dude, it was a huh. bunch of suburban white people, man. Okay. Anything a brother get out there and say they thought that shit was funny. Or else, I just yeah. basically talked about my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I had watched enough comedy that I felt like I could fake it. You know, I knew I was a funny dude. And I faked it through 45 minutes and they paid me and it was all. I said, well, fuck, I guess I'm a comedian now. <laughs> so I started going to the comedy clubs. Uptown Comedy Corner, different places. I started going to little comedy spots. And back then, you know, we had like little bars and stuff that was doing comedy. Started doing my little thing around, getting getting my chops up a little bit. Samora was like, she had just took off really doing Def Jam and all that. She had kind of took off. And she used to be our MC for our uh for uh, Primetime, which was the group I used to dance with, she was IMC. What? So she started blowing up. Yeah, she started blowing up and she went on the road after the Def Jam. And she got me on the Def Jam towards the opening act. It was me, some more. It was it was it was some more Zoo Man, Mike Epps, Joe Claire. Uh, uh, it was a couple other comments. I can't remember who, but those were it was That's those a lit four lineup though. Yeah, but that was before anybody blew up. Uh huh. And um, so I was the opening act. And um, so I used to go out before everybody else, do my little 10, 15 minutes, they give me a grand, and I was good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then she said, "Look." I want you to go on the road with me. You be my opener. And so, like, when I first started doing shows, we were doing packed comedy clubs. You know, like, I, I started off in full packed comedy clubs, improvs, whatever was open at the time. And so that's how I got that's how I got going. And then I came back to Atlanta and started doing shit, you know? Did then you I got locked up in 99. <laughs> oh, so you had all this positive moments. I had all this shit going. Yeah, up. I had just won the Deaf Comedy Jam. Uh, they had a Deaf Comedy Jam comedy competition in uh, December of 99. I was already, like, about to get I was already. I knew I was going to jail. But, um, and and I, I won the competition, won $500 doing that. And then uh, uh, Bob Sumner, he was like, I want to manage you, blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then I did, but I didn't tell him I was about to go to jail because I, I had a date to, to turn myself in February 1st, 2000. And I won that shit in 99. And then I'm like, damn. I said, yo, man, I said, I it ain't going to be nothing to manage. I said, I'm about to be gone for a minute. <laughs> and so I left. But I, I was doing comedy when I was locked up. In the, in the prison? I was doing stand up, yeah. Because when I went there, I had, I had already done Comic View. Uh, I think I had done Comic View in 99. I, I had done Comic View. And so people knew me when I got when I got to the jail. And then Creative Loafing did a big cover story on me. What? Yeah, I had a big cover story that they did on me uh, about my whole situation, coming from being a stripper and a drug dealer into being a comedian and a radio personality. And I was on the cover with me and Robin Williams. They, I don't know what they were talking about, Robin, but they had me. And the, the title of this thing was um, Guilty as Charged or some shit like that. I don't know. <laughs> No, no, no laughing matter. That's what it was. It was no laughing matter, and it had me standing in front of the fence out of the Atlanta pen. No. Yeah, you, you can Google it. It's, it's, it's on there. It's yeah, it's on there. It was a, dude, it was a, like a five-page um, story. They they went through my whole life. It was like a five-page story of how this promising Atlanta comedian, is, you know, derailed himself by you know going to prison, and um, so when I got to the pen, I was doing. Um, I asked them, could I do stand up in the uh in the in the in the visitor during the visitation? I was like, look, we go up for visitation every Saturday and Sunday. Um, we got a little a little area in there. I said, look, I would love to entertain the people, you know, at least once or twice a month. 
Let me let me do that. And the, and the staff was like, hell yeah, that'd be cool. And so basically I organized like a little talent section, the little talent session where we had because we had guys that had sang. We had guys that had played instruments. So the guys would like they would do a little set with the band and then I would come out. I would do like 30 minutes of stand up. And that shit became like legendary over there, bro. <laughs> they let me go over to the big house and I entered, they had like a staff function one time with the different um, wardens from different uh, prisons around the country that all came in for some big thing because uh-huh. Atlanta Pen is like you know that's one of the main joints and they had like a bunch of like upper echelon people. I went over there, I did a thing for them. They loved it, bro. Like I, that shit was. I had a great situation over there because they all like all the uh, the the guards and they all fuck with me like because I'm. I was the funny dude, and I, I was able to get away and say shit that nobody else could say. Right, right. I was able to make jokes about them and talk about them and say stuff that the other inmates couldn't say. Yeah. I still, dude, I see, dude, that was 17 years ago. Yeah, seven, 18 years ago. I still see dudes to this day that was locked up with me that remember, and they be like, yo, dude, you made my time, like, you made my time, like, go by. Cause like I used to look forward to that shit. Cause I was the only comedian they ever had over there. Mm-hmm. They had a bunch of doctors and lawyers and you know other professionals, but they never had a comedian over there. So I was like, that shit was cool. What kind of material would you do? I would do. I would talk about the yard stuff that was going on on the yard. I would talk about stuff that was going on on the yard. Talk about stuff that was going on with the staff. Talk about just that life in there. You know that life. And um, it was it 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 made my time go by better. And it, it it kept me from getting into any kind of shit, you know. Um, and it was it was just a good situation. Well, I it wasn't all good because it was it's. Anybody hey, yeah. funny man? Yeah, some shit about like being that. locked. Nah, you know what? And, and that that don't really happen. Like people don't just okay. like like people think that the rape thing and all that that might happen in the big in the big house. Like I was on the campsite, but on in the big house that that shit may happen. But people don't really bother you if they know that that ain't how you get down. Like you, you gotta kind of have an inviting spirit, in that sense. You gotta, you, you know, you dudes know who not to mess with. You know what I'm saying? And everybody liked me so much that I never had no issues. I never had issues with nobody in there. And it was just, it was just, it was a hell of an experience, though, man. Ain't nothing I want to go through again. Yeah, it ain't nothing I want to go through again. But it was an it, like, cause I, in the Fed, you gotta turn yourself in. You know, you like they give you a date, like you're going away to college. Like they had my date February first. Like you, and let me tell you, them three weeks leading up to the, February first was like them was the shortest nights of sleep ever. So I'm like, fuck, I got two two weeks. I got nine days. Like I got, and then that morning when you got to get up and go turn yourself in, it's like shit. So I'm about to be gone for like a year and a half. This is, what were you doing? Were you like partying? Were you trying to just get everything out of your I system? I don't know, man. I was just like you know talking to my kids. At the time, I had two kids, talking to my wife and everything. Then. And then I like rode over there and I was I was thinking, I'm like, fuck, I just filled my tank up. Like, damn. Like $35 going to waste. I'm fucking turning myself in with a full tank of gas. That's some bullshit. And then they check you in, take your clothes, and you gotta go in there with the little with the little with the little, you know, check-in officer. And there's always some little fat white dude that's too he's too fat to do anything else. So they just got him checking people in. And you're like, you need to turn around, bend over, and strip down to your strip down to your naked. Turn around, need you bend over, spread your cheeks. I'm like, what the fuck, man? I said, what? Like, really? We oh, really gotta do this? It's just man. me. I'm like, it's just me and you in here. Really, we gotta do this? You need to turn around, bend over, and spread your cheeks. And I'm like, what are you looking for? And 
people people smuggle weapons. I said, man, let me tell you something. If you could shove a gun up your asshole, you dangerous with or without a firearm. <laughs> trust me. Like that's. It, but it was just. It, it was some aspects of it was horrible. Like I had one one CEO over there that hated me, and he used to, he just used to fuck with me for no reason. Like it was the, he was the one guy. And I, I don't know whether he was a frustrated comic that wanted to be somebody, but he just, he made my life hell. He made, now he did his own little part. And I always wish that I could see him on the street and hope that he's not doing well. And then sh- just shit on it. He would just do shit, like cut. He would like, like, like they had to call you up for, um, for visitors. And he would like, when you get a visitor, they call you from the dorm. You come up to meet your visitors. And he would like push me to the end of the list to wait, make sure I'm the last one he called. Uh, so that by the time he called me up there, I got like 12 minutes to visit with my family and everybody uh, else had two hours. He would do weird little shit like that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he was, he got me fired from, um, I got fired off the landscaping crew and got put in the kitchen. And I know he was behind that shit. You know, I got, cause you know, you had jobs in there. You know, you work for 12, 19 cents an hour, whatever. 19 cents an hour. Yeah, when I was working on landscaping, I was getting uh, 12 cents an hour. I, I had to go up and, you know, I had to cut grass and trim hedges and shit like that. And I got uh, 12 cents an hour. And then then when, I, when, then when they fired me from that crew because they said that I had took some contraband from over the fence. And it was it was a frame up, man. I ain't taking no contraband. Was that you? No, it wasn't me. I, I, okay. I got framed. But this dude, he, he made me, um, and I had to strip naked again for them because they said you had contraband. And I had to strip naked in front of all the. Uh, the man, man heard about your past. They're like, shit hey, was horrible, a stripper. Yeah, said, yeah, you used to this shit. Just take it off. And um, yeah, so I got fired. Then I got put in the kitchen. And I had to go. I was washing dishes in the kitchen for the rest of the time I was there. Uh, but I made. I got a raise. I was making nineteen cents in there. What do you buy? And what do you buy in prison? It goes in your commissary. It's like ramen. And- it goes in your commissary. Yeah, you buy ramen noodles, rice, summer sausage. Um, <laughs> Chips, soap, uh, <laughs> fucking like all kind of shit. What you? Uh, I thought you just remembered something you bought when you did. No, this summer sausage. Like oh. I don't know why that stood out to me. Summer sausage. That's what these call it. Some it's like these little sausages that everybody would buy. And you chop them up to to create little meals. Like dudes get real creative in prison, especially dudes been locked up for a long time. Uh-huh. They know how to make all these little prison meals. <laughs> it should actually be kind of good. Like they would sell these little rice packets, and you put some water in it and boil the rice and chop the little sausage up, and you steal you some onions and peppers and stuff out of the kitchen, and just chop it up and make you like a little casserole. This would be dope. I miss that. I miss that. Now I do miss that. Them some good meals. Why don't you talk about this meal. on stage? Um, I have. I, I, I have. I've talked about it. I've talked. I just don't. I don't know. I just don't make it a thing because it's so far in my past that, you know, I, I don't know. But I don't know. I think part of my mind. It's part of you, though, man. Because, like, yeah. I've seen you headline a bunch. And it's like I've never heard you mention this stuff, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I've talked about it and I've thought about it, talking about it more. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. What are you, what are you, what's holding you back, man? How long you've been doing comedy like twenty years? Twenty years. Yeah. What, what's shit. holding you back? I don't fucking care no more. I'm jaded now. <laughs> I, it's like I think I think a part of me done gave up. Like you know, like, co- comedians like how long you been doing comedy? Eight years. Oh, see, yeah, you still in the hopeful stage. Like yeah, yeah, you still believe sure. you got a shot. Like sure. I'm I'm just like I'm at the point where I just don't fucking care no more. It's like I just get up there. I just want to make people laugh. I want to enjoy. But like now it's almost like comedy. People are, people are looking at it so much like a business now 
that it's almost like it's not fun sometimes. Like, I just, I almost wish I could just win the lottery so I ain't got to worry about the money end of it. And I can just do comedy just for the hell of it, just to be doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to worry about the money part of it. Like, people, oh, well, you need to make sure, you know, get your Instagram followers up so that you can get. And it's like, dude, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm not doing this for money because I am in a sense, because it's a part of my job. So, of course, I want to get paid, but money was never my motivation for doing comedy. It never, like, even when I started with Ricky, when I started with Samora, when I was doing, it was never my motivation to say, hey, I want to make this amount of money for this show. I want to make, I just wanted to work. I just wanted to be on the show. I just, like, and I hate the fact that I feel like that is gone. Because now you got a lot of people that's in the game and they're looking at it strictly from, hey, if I do this and I get this many followers, I can make this much money. And to me, it's like you pimping the game. Like, you don't, you ain't doing this shit because you love it. You're doing this shit because it's a come up for you. And I'm kind of offended by that because I've done a lot of shit shows over the years that didn't pay no money, but it but it was paying dues. Yep. You know what I mean? It yeah, was paying dues. Yep. Dude, I mean, I've driven... Dude, I've driven. I had. I remember. I I drove. I drove from Atlanta to South Bend, Indiana. Drove from Atlanta to Chicago. Drove from Chicago back over to Milwaukee. Drove from Milwaukee down to. I mean, I drove from Atlanta to Jackson, Mississippi. Me and JJ. JJ had me do a show one JJ time. Williams. Comedian JJ Williams. Yeah, yeah. I did a show in Jackson, Mississippi, where I drove for. It was for one hundred and fifty dollars. I drove from Atlanta to Jackson. Had to get a rental car. The rental car was one nineteen. <laughs> Fucking show was one fifty. <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I mean, you just oh, yeah. do that kind of dumb shit because you just want to work. I drove to Kokomo, Indiana, with Ronnie Jordan. Ten hour drive, one way, a hundred bucks. But we went Dude, up and back. But nobody can relate to that now yeah. because now it's all about you got to get this many skits up. You got to do this many. And I'm not shitting on nobody for doing that, but I'm just saying, it's like. Don't say that you love it when you really are only doing it for the money. You're only doing it for how much money you can make out of it. Just say you're a businessman that, that's using comedy as a business. Really? But don't say you're a comedian. You're a businessman. You're a business person. You're an entertainer or, or you're a marketing person that's doing comedy as a vehicle to make money. It is called show business, though. It is show business. And you got to have some business about yourself. But I'm just saying... To me, it's always been more organic, and 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 maybe that's the old school in me. But you know, to me, it's always just been more organic. About I just like making people laugh. I like challenging this. You know, I like being in challenging situations. Like, mm-hmm. dude, I did a I did a gig. Like, what's the shittiest gig you ever remember doing? Oh, bruh. Like the shittiest one where you when you left there, you just went out, got in the car, and just sat there and just <laughs> like, what the <laughs> fuck, man. We just thought, and not and not necessarily because you bombed, but just because it was yeah. just a shitty gig. I mean, I did, I did in in Tallahassee. I did an oyster bar known for their hamburgers. Okay, and it was a door deal. And then when I got there, it turns out the door was by donation. Right. So a door deal, you know, I'm supposed to get the door, but the the door was only if people felt like paying. Right. And it's a college town, so yeah, like so nobody had money, negative money, right? So it came out of that, and I was like headlining. I was super jazzed, like yeah, I'm headlining a show in Florida. And then did it, they have a pool table in there? 
Did they have it? No, I don't even think there was room. Anytime for a you pool go on a, table, anytime man. you go on a there bar a and they got a pool fan. table, that's just gonna be a that's just gonna be a wrap. Dude, we did a show at a bowling alley one time that had a pool table in it, and he's like, "Hey, can y'all stop playing pool? Fuck you!" It's like, right, right. "Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and do my set." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, "Okay, I know this ain't gonna work. There ain't no security in here. I'm getting my ass whooped. So let me just." But the shit gig I did, I did it. I got booked to do a um a wedding reception for. Some people that had seen me, they had seen me at um at Uptown, and they booked me to do this wedding reception, and it was for some Africans. And okay, and I'm not going racial on this. I'm just saying it was Africans, and <laughs> Africans are very stoic people. Sometimes they can be very, you know, reserved. And I guess de- depending on what part of Africa you're from, I'm, I'm aware that Africa ain't just one, you know, I know. All right. Wakanda forever. Yeah, Wakanda forever, which is also, <laughs> Wakanda is fucking Atlanta, okay? Um, so look, so I get to the gig, uh, I'm at like a, a Comfort Inn Suites down on uh, Highway 85 somewhere, not the Highway, uh, uh, by Shannon Mall somewhere, some shit like whatever, Union City. Okay. Conference room about the size of this room right here. <laughs> well, okay, maybe bigger. But it's a, like a banquet room. I get in there, and it's like 65, 70 people in there in a room that's made for 20. They got like all these tables crammed in there. They got a, a, a buffet line, a serving line. And I walk in there, and I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> what do y'all want me to do? And the guy was, and the lady was like, you're so funny. You're so funny. Just entertain, just entertain everybody. Just make them laugh. Just uh and I'm like, do they know that I'm coming? No, no, no. Just introduce yourself. I'm like, fuck, introduce? Dude, it's like 60 Africans in there. Everybody just, it's kids, it's old people. They just fucking milling around. And they gave, they had a boom box with a little bitty microphone about like one of those two-inch microphones. Mr. Microphone. Yeah. yeah and they're like, you know, just use this and just yeah. stand behind this table right here. I'm behind the motherfucking potato salad and wings and shit. I'm behind it. I'm at literally in the corner behind the table, and I'm like, hello, hey. I'm like, hey, hey, can I get y'all attention? And then people's looking up like, who the fuck is he? And I'm like, can I get y'all attention? Um, I'm the comedian. <laughs> and people's looking at each other like, comedian? And I'm looking at this lady who booked me. I'm like, bitch, did you tell them I was coming? <laughs> and she's like, just, just, just do your thing. Just do your thing. And I'm like, fuck, man. So I'm standing up there. I'm trying to do a set. And nobody is no like I don't know whether they didn't understand what I was saying, whether they just they made me feel like like, dude, you're really intruding on our party. Like, right, right, why right. are you here? But she gave me like two hundred dollars or some shit. I was like wondering that. how much it was for. It was like two hundred dollars. It was hard. And then oh, oh dude, I had a shit gig. I was in I was in I was in um uh Fort Worth, Texas. Uh I got booked to do a show. And here's how they told me. Um the lady, I was on the morning show, and the lady had called uh, my 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 booking agent. She said, "Well, look, we really wanted to have Ricky Smiley come and do this event, but you told him how much he charges. We can't afford him, so you know we'll we'll use Special K. We can't afford Ricky." Does that happen a lot? You get the drop off sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. It, it, not so much now, but it uh-huh. did then. So they were paying me like twenty five hundred dollars, something like that. So I'm like, cool. So I get down there, mm-hmm. get to the hotel. Um. Uh, uh, I go upstairs to the where they're having the event. It turns out 
It's a eight like an eighty fifth birthday party for this big time pastor down there. He's 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 uh and he had a, a bunch of his pastor friends and he's like uh the upper echelon one of the upper echelon pastors in that area. So he had a huge church, a lot of you know people. So it's just nice, nice event. So I get there, lady stops me at the door. She says, "You're special, K." I said, "Yes, ma'am, I am. I'm uh pastor whatever's daughter." And this is my sister. Let me tell you something. First of all, take that earring out your ear. We don't do earrings. So, okay, so I took the earring out of my ear. She said, now, let me tell you something. I looked you up on, on the internet. You are filthy. You are a filthy mouth comedian. <laughs> let me tell you something, Mr. Man. Let me tell you something. You go in there and you better not say anything filthy. You say anything filthy and embarrasses my father. And we have put it, we spent a lot of time and money putting this together. You say anything filthy, you will not get your money. I promise you that. Now go in there and be funny. <laughs> Bitch didn't tell me her name, nothing <laughs> like she, I'm just like, whoa. I'm like, that's like, really? She's the like icebreaker. She's like, now go in there and be funny. She's like Aunt Esther. Like, I swear to God. <laughs> I go in there, they got the day set up. They got like 60, 70, I don't know, fucking maybe 100 people, all these tables and shit. And then they got all the, the dignitaries sitting up on the on the, on the on the dais line, like you know, all the pastors and wives and shit. Yeah, yeah. And then they got the, the main pastor. He's sitting right next to the microphone. So they got the fixed microphone at the, at the podium. <laughs> no way. So, yeah, so, so somebody went in there and said, it's time for the comedian. <laughs> Please, band, stop. It's time for the comedian. <laughs> This is Aunt Esther. She's like, it's time for the comedian. <laughs> so they all putting their plates down and shit, looking around. So I walk up there and I get the mic and it makes the little, you know, the little sound, the little feedback sound. I'm like, hello. <laughs> and um, I'm like, hey, um, I'm comedian Special K from the Ricky Smiley Morning Show. Y'all might have heard me. And she was like, <laughs> there's like two claps. I said, okay. Um, I had to do 45 minutes. I said, okay. I said, so the pastor, I says, uh, happy birthday to you, and uh, wow. And here's what I started off with. I said, 85 years, man. I said, wow, you're older than a lot of things. And I started naming off all the things that I thought that he was older than. And that shit went over like a level. Like, no, it was like yeah. all you could hear was in the kitchen in the background was like silverware and shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, whoa. I said, okay. I said, how much time we got left? Yeah. Like, 43 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So then, and somehow I started talking about, I said, like, my family could never throw an event like this because we were way too ghetto. I said, y'all are so classy. I said, y'all are like some of the classiest black folks I've ever seen. Something I said clicked within that first couple of minutes after I felt like I was going to be, but something I said clicked and it started rolling after that. And I closed out with the Walmart bit, standing up. I mean, they was like, they was loving me by the end of that shit. Oh, you They was back. loving me, bro. I had no choice. I had no. See, that's the thing about comedy. You got nowhere to hide. Like, if you're a singer, you can hide behind the band or the dancers or your background singers. As a comedian, there ain't in a situation like that, you're going to sink or swim. I mean, what are you going to do, really? You're going to put the mic down, walk away, these people unpaid you. What are you going to do? Put the mic down and say, I can't do this? Like, no, you got, dude, that's why. I love comedians and I love what we do because you're not going to tell me that it don't take balls to do this. It takes balls to do this shit. 
to get up in front of how many people that are basically challenging you to make us laugh. Make a, And those gigs are tough. Those kind of gigs like that, that's where you find out what you made up. Dude, I hosted the Cat Williams show at Phillips Arena a couple years ago. Like 14,000 people, something like that. That show was nowhere near as scary as being in that room with them damn church folks mm-hmm. that was challenging me to, you know, do something. Make it make it happen. That's the real challenging shit. And that's what makes that's what keeps this exciting because it's like from one night to the next, you never know, you know, what you're up against. Yeah. You're doing improv, you got two shows on, you know, you might have one show on Thursday, two on Friday, two on Saturday, one on Sunday. One of those shows is gonna be a shit show. I can almost get I've never had a club where I did six straight standing ovation shows. There's always going to be that one. It may be the early show on Friday. It may be the late show on Saturday. It may be the Sunday show. It may be the Thursday show. One of those crowds is going to look at you like, why the fuck are you here? Why are you? Like, we hate you. Yeah, the, why are you here? The Sunday usually catches me after I'm rolling high all week, and I'm like, well, I figured out comedy. Yeah, you Sunday think you got it? you right in the face. Man, this <laughs> shit brings you back. Comedy, and, and you can't, you know what? Comedy is like, comedy is like that chick that you banging. That you know she ain't no good, mm-hmm. and you know you need to stop, <laughs> and you know she's fucking other dudes, you know. But for some reason, every time she calls, you show up. I don't quit. I, I have quit comedy probably five times. Really? I said I'm done. I can't do this shit no more. Then somebody called me. Yo, I got a gig for you next month. What you doing? Oh shit, I'll be there. All right. Because you can't quit. That's that's how you know you're a real comic. You know. What made you stop caring? You said you stopped caring. Was it a an when I say I stopped caring? I stopped. I stopped being stressed about it. I stopped. I think I've become jaded to the point of saying, you know what? It is what it is. It is what it is, man. I'm just going to do me. Because it took me, it takes you about 10 years to really find your voice and to really get into that comfort zone. I mean, you've seen me work. Mm-hmm. To really get into that comfort zone the way you can just pretty much get up there and just say whatever you're going to say and it's just going to go how it's going to go and you're not affected by it. Like, I used to focus on that one person in the crowd that wasn't laughing. Yeah. I used to always focus on that one or two people I would see that no matter what I said, they wasn't laughing. And it would just eat away at me. It would eat away at me. And I'd be in the car afterwards and I'd be like, damn, man, I suck. That dude wasn't laughing. But it was 197 other people that was laughing. But that dude wasn't laughing like... Man, I'm horrible. Like, why am I even doing this? Like, you know? And now I'm to the point where I just don't I don't judge myself that harshly. I know I'm funny. And I know that you're gonna have ups and downs. And it's like I don't have any expectations no more. It's like it's just gonna like somebody was asking me when I was on my way coming downstairs to get you. I was talking on the phone with my boy. He was like, yo, man, when you gonna do some TV and movies? Like, motherfucker, it ain't like I'm just not doing it because people I said, dude. That's never really been my goal. I'm a married guy. I got kids. I'm older. It's like, I'm not going to go to L.A. I'm not, you know, I'm not really like out here uh, trying to lock down some agent. And all. it's like, dude, I'm just I'm just doing whatever, man. Whatever comes my way. I got a stage play uh, that right. I'm doing. I got a stage play I'm doing. It looks like that's going to be a, a, a Vegas deal. Is it Neighborhood Barbershop? Yeah, it looks like that's yeah, yeah, look, yeah. that that's that's kind of translated into going or, or switched over from being uh you know a shitland circuit thing to being a Vegas thing. Huh. So that 
that's a very lucrative situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's a break from what I normally do. It, it's giving me a chance to kind of, you know, spread my wings into some other things. But I'm not. I'm not trying to be. I ain't trying to be the next Kevin Hart. I ain't trying to I like movies and all that shit. It's never really been a thing that I was pursuing. So it's like all in all, I think I'm. I'm. I'm good. Do you, you know? have goals? Nope. No. No God, direction. You just no, nah, man. Man, marriage and kids have sucked all the fucking dreams out of me. Well, like, I mean, you know, you... I just want my kids to be happy, man. I just want to be able to make enough money to do, to live fairly comfortably, do what I do. I want to make more money. Obviously, I would like to make more money and have uh, better, you know, stuff and, you know, better side bitches. But um, but you say marriage and kids sucked it out of you, but then you work with, like, Ricky Smiley, who has been able to build, like, an empire. Okay, he had a different goal than I had. He okay, had a different, so he he had had a different, different goal going into it, you know? He had a different, he had a different mindset going into it, and he has a, and he has a totally different... Um, he has a totally different different thing going on than I do. You know, he's he he he's a totally different. Like we we're we're we have really not that much in common. We both black men with kids. That's about that's about it. But he has a totally like the the thing he does is like the thing Country Wayne does. Country Wayne is like Ricky twenty years ago. Interesting. You know, he has that same kind of. He's built up a pretty organic following that, you know, they they like that thing he does. And he's going to do that thing and keep feeding them that thing. I'm kind of all over the place. I'm lucky, man. I, I, I dropped, dude, I dropped out of high school. Had really? to go back to get a fucking diploma. Yeah. And I don't even think I earned it. I think they just eventually gave it to me. Just like, it was, <laughs> I dropped out of high school in 11th grade. Yeah. Went in the military for a couple, for like, boy, I did five years overall in the military. Hated that shit because I, I just couldn't deal with structure. You know, I started stripping when I was in the military. I was in the Air Force and uh, got in the contest one night at a club. Oh, that's how it started? Yeah, I got in the contest. One night they had they had a, a, a sexy man contest. And my, my, my friends was like, yo, you could dance, man. Get your ass up there and do that shit. And I was, you know, I was pretty cut up. They said, get up there and do that shit. You could do this. And I was drinking and shit. I'm like, hell yeah, I could do this. Yeah. I won $150. They said, hey, come back next week and defend your title. I said, I ain't know I had a title. Shit. Went back and I won like three or four weeks in a row. And that's when the guys who had a crew, they were like, yo, man, you need, you, you need to come join us, man. You need to dance with us. I said, dude, I'm in, the, I'm in the fucking Air Force. I'm a sergeant in the Air Force. I said, I can't. Fuck that, nigga. It's at night. Just, just do this, come do the shit at night. That's how it started. And then my commanding officer found that I was stripping up in the city on the weekends. And then through the week, he was like, yo. He was, and he basically would set me down and say, hey, you know, that's borderline conduct unbecoming of an NCO. And you're coming up on re-up time, and you you need to make a decision. You're either going to be a sergeant in the United States Air Force, or you're going to be a male stripper. And I said, fuck you, United States Air Force. I'm about to be a stripper up in this bitch because the Air Force don't get me the hoes. The stripper gets me the hoes. So, yeah, and that's how I got out of the Air Force, man. I, started, I was like stripping. I said, hey, I got to do this. But, yeah, so I don't know, man. Like, people say, well, where, where do you plan to be a year from now? I don't, I don't know. Shit, I don't know. I don't, my my life is like my comedy. Like when I get on stage, you you have no idea where I'm going. Cause some nights, like, cause yeah. some nights I some nights I'm just like I go through the like I'm really like a like I I be up and down like my moods. Sometimes I be really really just fucking depressed and hating life. And other other times I get up there and I feel like I can conquer the world. And I think that's a Virgo thing, man. I think like 
my my moods fluctuate like that. Oh, I was gonna say a mental thing. I think I'd be like bipolar or some shit. Yeah, I'm saying yeah. I I think I'm like borderline bipolar, but (laughs) like. That's cause, more cause, of a Virgo Because I be real up and down, man. Sometimes I just be hating life, but I go on stage anyway. And it's like, you know, so I'm just like, whatever. You know, I got the, I did the Cat Win. I mean, I did the Kevin Hart thing. The I did a 30-minute special. Yeah, did the half hour with Kevin Hart. I did a half hour special on comedy, the Comedy LOL. You know, go download the Comedy LOL app. You can get my half hour special on there. Still, It's still featured. You know, you just swipe twice and it's right there. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I mean, I'm saying it's left swipe two times. Bam, it's right there. And you can watch the whole 30 minute special. And um, then I taped another, I taped another half hour for Sirius XM. And that's playing on Kevin, on uh, Kevin Hart's Laugh, uh, Laugh Out Loud channel, channel 96 on Sirius. That's playing right now. Um, and like I said, I'm going to do this play and then, you know, uh, what what happens after that? I have no idea. Uh, working on my own podcast right now. We just oh, okay. just started just started uh, recording those that yesterday, and we're gonna shoot another one today and probably tomorrow. Um, so yeah, that's it, man. I'm, I'm set. Like me and me and the wife situation is up in the air. I don't know, you know, exactly how that's gonna go. But if you ever been through a, a separation slash divorce type deal, you. That shit sucks the life out of you, man. I wouldn't wish that on nobody. Uh, I would not be been, good to your woman, man. Yeah, I'll be married a year on April first. So. Oh yeah, you still happy and shit. Y'all, yeah. still, y'all still hold hands in the mall and it's, it's funny all that to see shit. us at these. I'm like eight years into comedy, still like bright eyed, bushy tailed. You're like twenty years, like yeah, yeah enjoy yeah, it while it lasts, man. Yeah, enjoy it while it lasts, man. <laughs> talk, yeah, talk to me ten years from now. You like, man. It's like yeah, cause cause yeah, y'all have kids yet or nothing? Nah, we have a dog. Oh, see, you're so white. Like my kids, I am white. Thanks my kids was in my wedding. Like <laughs> my daughter was the flower girl. My son was the ring bear. Like you are so white. Like I am. so, y'all actually got y'all actually got engaged, then got married, then you are gonna have kids. Well, we haven't even talked about that. Oh wow! So y'all like planning this shit out? Well, there's there's some. It's such a different world that I just don't know about that world. I mean, being organized and planning, yeah, and having planning goals a family and, and shit. And, Having a direction. Y'all probably got insurance and all that shit. Well, she does. She got a good job. Yeah, yeah. She yes. got the job. She take care of you. But did, didn't you do like a, a self-help book at one time? Yeah, I did a book called um, 100 Problems, 100 Solutions. Yeah, it was actually a spoof on self-help because I, I believe self-help oh, is bullshit. I, I you uh, yeah. did it on yourself is what I was thinking. No, nah, nah, self-help is bullshit, man. I, I, my therapist quit. <laughs> like I was going to a marriage therapist and she quit on us. Like She's like, she's like, I can't help you. Wow. She she met with me by myself, and she said the clinical definition for you is an asshole. No, she didn't. She said no. She said no. Seriously, she said you're an asshole. She said you are just one of those guys that <laughs> really, like. She said, I don't know what she said because you're not going to change. You're not going to be honest with yourself. You're not going to. You know, I'm like, look, I'm not here to change. I'm here because she wants to do this shit, and I said I would do it. I said, so just say what you got to say and understand that when I walk out that door, I don't give a fuck. About a, a professional therapist just clinically said you're an asshole. Yeah. She said as a guy. She said like as a as a patient, you just. You That's just, your diagnosis. She said as asshole? a patient. She said as a patient, you just need to be more. You just need to open yourself up more and okay. be more introspective about who you are. as a person. But as just as a guy off the record, you're an asshole. <laughs> And you know what I said? What? I said, you just want to fuck me. 
<laughs> Did you? Nah, she said, no, that's definitely not it. She said, I could do so much better than you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. She's like, what's Ricky doing? Yeah, she quit on us, man. I ain't fucking with you, man. I'm like, so anyway. Wow. But yeah, man, so that's my Ooh. life in a nutshell, man. It's a lot. We just unpacked it It's right a lot, there, man. man. Yeah, we unpacked it. Like, for real, for real. But I got to pee. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, before we get yeah. out of here, is there anything else here. you want the world to know? Oh, you got hot breath water. Yeah, this is Fontas water. This is... Is what? Fontas water. They're a local water brand. It's... Fontas? Blue Ridge, Blue Ridge Mountain Spring Water. Awesome. Family okay. owned. Yeah. Do they yeah. sell this? Yeah, it's, it's in Georgia. Fontas. You're educated. It's okay. The yeah. hot breath podcast yeah and they do buyers. they do custom labels so you can get your own you can get your business to get their own that's water. fancy man watercolor water coolers and that's, all that that's real fancy man that's nice show business people actually like so people actually watch this podcast right? people watch your this podcast is doing pretty good man i appreciate you noticing because like yeah because I, I i listen to a couple of different podcasts i try to throughout the week and 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 i got turned on to you i think you were talking to uh rob hayes yeah that was the first one i listened to and rob is you know, Rob is one of my little mentees. Like, oh. I gave Rob, and Ronnie Jordan's another one. Rob, okay. Ronnie Jordan, can I'm responsible for the honey bun. Really? I, I, the big I, I showed him how to really work it when he first started doing it. I said, dude, I said, you, you, I said it's good, but you in and out of it too quick. I said, nurse that. I said, massage it, because they really into it. I said, massage that shit. He'll tell you. Ask him. It's probably a lot of ask him who told him to Ask him who told him to flesh that shit out. Yeah. Rob Hayes, I told him. I said, dude, because he was really discouraged. He would come to Uptown, and they just, they they didn't get him. Mm -hmm. They just, and I said, I said, dude, he was 20, 21 at the time. I said, dude, it's not you. I said, this crowd ain't, they're not here for what you do. I said, but. You need to stick with the crowds that, you know, stick with the more mainstream crowds. Get away from this ghetto shit. Stick with the more mainstream crowds and keep doing what you do. I said, don't change your cadence. Don't change your your delivery. None of that shit. I said, you go somewhere like New York or something, they're going to feel you. Yeah. And look up to motherfuckers on Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. God damn it. Rob, <laughs> you owe me, motherfucker. <laughs> I made you. You was, you was a scared little boy. <laughs> On stage, terrified of the crowd, I made you. Not that you're bitter or anything. No. I don't care that he did Jimmy Fallon. Fuck Jimmy Fallon. Now, if you had done Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, no, I'm just playing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, nah, but Rob's a good dude, man. I yeah, like man. that dude. I like that dude. Yeah, um, man, comedy's dope. We got a lot of dope comics. Jack Thriller. That's another one. Yeah, who he's I, been who on I, here that's too. another one who I inspired and motivated. I said, keep doing that crazy shit you do, uh -huh. but get out of Atlanta. I said, get out of Atlanta. I said, because I said the reason you gonna make it, you gonna make something out. Of, I said because you are fearless and you are crazy. Like you're willing to just do what. Like you don't give a fuck. Like Rob, I mean, uh, Jack Thriller, he just don't give a damn. He has no, no hold, no bars. I mean, he just whatever. And I'm like, take that. To a real market and see what happens. Well, what do you, what do you got for me, man? Uh, just stay, just stay true, man. Stay true to yourself because you're versatile. Like you can, like I've seen you do black crowds, and they get you. Like because people say, oh, well, funny is funny. No, there's a difference. There's a difference between white crowds and black crowds. And anybody who said it's not is lying, or they haven't done both. There's a difference. And people who can navigate, like, I think I'm a black version of that. Like, I navigate 
mainstream crowds very mm-hmm. easily. Um, and I think that people who can stay true, because you, you, you're just funny to no matter who the crowd is, whether you're doing a corporate crowd, a church crowd, a black crowd, white crowd, you're just funny. And, you know, you, your, your presence and your delivery and all that shit is just good. And, and I think you're going to do well with this because you're smart. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're a smart dude, and I think you got probably got a good business head on you. So I I I I I can see you doing like a um, you know, like do you listen to Mark Maron? You ever listen to Mark Maron? Yeah, yeah, yeah. WTL? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, fuck, he ended up with Obama in his garage. Obama like, in his garage. You fucking believe that shit? <laughs> yeah. And Mark Maron is like the white version of me. Oh, just kind of disgruntled. Yeah, and he's depressed as shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I would have committed suicide. So, like I've thought about suicide probably five thousand times. And you keep count of all of them? Yeah. What? Yesterday makes five thousand two hundred twenty-eight. But what, what prevents? Like, what what keeps you coming back? because uh, I feel like if I do it, then the next day is gonna be the day I would have found out. Like, damn, man. To see, to see what, what this would have happened. This was scheduled to happen on the yeah, 29th. So light at the end of the tunnel. Look, you so blew still... your brains out on the 28th. Look what was waiting on you on the 29th. So I'm like, fuck, you know what? <sighs> Don't block your blessings. Yeah, man. I said, I'm hanging there for one more, mm-hmm. one more day. It's one more day. I appreciate you doing it, man, because then you got to be on hot breath. Then I got to be on hot breath. Yeah. And we got we got to meet Ricky, and maybe he's gonna do it. You yeah. Know, people oh yeah, he's gonna do it. Do. People say they'll do it, but they nah, he'll do it. Nah, yeah, yeah. He like he likes doing shit like this because there ain't no pressure. It ain't no you know. You ain't got an entourage. You ain't got a whole bunch of people that have uh-huh. to set up shit. Cool. So yeah, he'll do. It. He's he's busy, but yeah, yeah. I think he'll do it. I think he'll do it. Okay. Do you know anything about people like getting kicked off his tour and things like that? Like people getting kicked I've, off the tour. I've heard talks of like he may like take people's material and then. Like they'll go on tour with them and he takes their material and then they get like blacklisted from the tour. Have you I heard think of thinking about Cat Williams? <laughs> oh, is that what he does? <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying. Yeah, because mm. it's it's all been hearsay, so it's never. Nah. It's con- the only know. people, the only people, because because I've put a couple of people on. Like when we, we did Ricky Smiley and Friends for like three or four years, and I put like uh, Marvin Hunter on there, I put uh, Zoo Man on there, I put uh, Lavar on there, I put. Um, uh, Clayton English on there. I put Spencer Neal. I put several different people on there. And the only people that don't really kind of work, it's usually for, like, you know, one one of those people I just named didn't work because they didn't, they, they didn't really like to step up their attire. Oh, okay. You know, they were a little, <gasps> you know, I'm not going to call nobody out, but they were a little too... Grungy. I know who you're talking about. And so he, and, and, but th- but that's who they were. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes, sometimes the blend just isn't right. But he's never had nobody. We never had nobody. Or, or somebody might, somebody might cuss too much. Like he don't like you saying a whole bunch of, you know, dick pussy motherfucker. Like he don't like that. I was and if, and if you like can't stop heads. doing that, like Steve Brown or like a Henry Welch is apparently somebody I'm supposed to interview. That yeah, I think I think I think that whole beef goes. That's a, that's an Alabama thing because mm-hmm. they all they all started off together. Wow. Like in college age, like they all started off together. Um, Steve used to write for Ricky, or uh, when he was on when he was hosting Comic View, and Henry, like Ricky, used to open up for Henry when they wow. were in college. Yeah, and then so so I think those beefs are way more personal than professional. Gotcha. So. You know, I'll get Henry on here. He's been hard to track down, which is yeah. funny when you start to 
see professionalism in action and you mm-hmm. realize why some people are where they are compared to why they're not. Amen. And those little details. Every, make everybody everybody navigates these these waters differently, man. I mean, <laughs> everybody navigate these waters the way they navigate them. And sometimes things work out for some folks, don't work out for other folks. But, you know, we all have our own paths. And you don't know what your destiny is. And I'm not a real religious dude, but I do believe in, in destiny. And I believe in divine guidance of something. So, you know. I, I try not to focus on how other people got what they got. And mm. I just, you know, I mean, for a dude from Decatur, Georgia, that dropped out of high school, that had discipline problems, that went in the military, that started stripping and selling dope and could have been dead a hundred times and could have been doing a hundred years in prison a hundred times. I feel like, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm all right. You know, I ain't got no, I got a lot of complaints, but nobody give a shit. Uh, but I'm, I mean, I'm I'm doing better than I'm I'm doing better than a lot of people, and not doing yeah, as well man. as some people. So I, I guess I'm alright. You're on a nationally ca- syndicated radio. I'm kind of successful. Yes, I'm kind of successful. You're doing great, man. You know, so right. there you go. It's what, okay, special. What more can you ask for? I appreciate you doing this, man. Seriously, but that dude from my, Magic Mike, uh, what's her name's husband? That is a beautiful. Like, look at just, <laughs> like just Google Joe Montana. What is his name? Montana, not Joe Montana. I'm, I don't that's know. The, I don't know who Mantin. you're talking about. I'm really not don't. gay. Like, uh, I don't have no gay. Closer. No, but I'm just, I just started thinking about that dude again, man. That dude. Dude, Ugh. I mean. If ha- I could look you, like anybody. Have you tried it? It would be that dude. What? It seems like you got some issues to work out. Maybe maybe that's maybe Gayness? That's the switch you need to flip. Nah, 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 nah. I did let a gay dude buy me a beer at the club a couple weeks ago, but I was thirsty. And how'd that end up? I mean, y'all gave him my number. I ain't, I, yeah. I ain't call him. I mean, you've said everything else on here. I didn't know if. Oh no, you no. Get that off your chest. I mean, I felt like I owed him that. I mean, fucking Stella was eight dollars. I can give you the number for eight dollars. <laughs> I, I ain't gonna fuck you though. But I mean, you know, fuck it. <laughs> I was thirsty. It was cold. I love that we opened up with you not being gay, and now we're closing. With and then you I, being yeah, gay. and then I played him off like the chicks do. He, he was like, "Yo, so what's happening?" I said, "Hey, my friends are ready to leave, so I got to go." Right, right, right. My, dr- my driver, <laughs> my driver, my driver's here. I would like to talk to you some more, but oh, my, like my friends are ready to go, and and you know, I left my kids at her You've house. Heard so. that a lot, right? You yeah, that, that, like that. that's how chicks curb you. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I did want to talk to you, but my friends are ready to go, and we all rode together. Like, bitch, it's 12 of y'all. Fuck y'all in a fucking <laughs> minivan? God damn. Anyway. My man. Thank you so much for doing this. Dude. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for you, coming through, you brother. You killed it, man. At the palatial studios of Ricky Smiley Morning Show. Dun, 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 dun. That's how we doing it down here, man. We making money. Congratulations. Yeah. See, why are you complaining? We doing making money. I work two hours a day. Ain't that something? Dang, man. Now, if I told you what I made, you'd be like, fuck. How did you pull that shit off? Really? <laughs> Just for being on the radio. Hey, man, but I got 11 years in this shit, man. That's I deserve true. it. So appreciate what you have, man. It seems like yeah, you, for you sure. dwell on what you don't. Oh, appreciate what you have. I don't dwell on what I don't. Just because I said I'm depressed and I think about suicide all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. I'm t- I'm, 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 I think I'm, I'm I don't know. I, my wife said you would never kill yourself. You're too arrogant. She said, you're too fully. She said, you're, you're way too arrogant. You would never take yourself See, out. this is the stuff you need to be talking about on stage, though, man. Like, I do. I'm talking about it tonight. I just feel like you, I mean, 20 years in, you have nothing to lose. You understand how to work a crowd. Yeah, I don't care. You. Yeah, I don't care no more. Like, good. But you, I think that would take your 
comedy to another level and probably breathe new life into it if you just talk about the just, the jokes you've been doing just use, you, yeah yourself. just use the you use the stage as therapy yeah man yeah because i need it i'm just saying you know i am i i, th- I think it would make a big difference just because you you have these jokes that works that you're known for but like challenge yourself to do these more like shine light on the dark corners yeah there's a lot of and you'll stop hiding behind them Look at you, fucking Joel Manzant. Hot breath slash fix my life. The fuck out of here. Fuck out of here, man. You trying to make me cry. Get your ass out of here. Uh, all right, my man. All right. Appreciate it. Hot breath. Wham, bam. Thank you, Kay. Thank you, listeners, hot brethren and sister and alike for tuning in. If you did enjoy this interview, all I got to say, hit up Ricky Smiley. Let him know it's his turn. I met him before this interview. He said he would do the podcast. So now let's make sure that happens. At him, let him know this interview is live. Let him know the hot breath of verse is calling to capture his story. My goal with this podcast is to do a one-of-a-kind interview with these comedians, capturing their entire story from where they started to the craft of comedy to everything, as you heard in this interview. I do that in all of them. So if this is your first one, please go back, listen to the others, go on iTunes, leave a five-star review, and if you tell you what, if you tell somebody that knows somebody that would enjoy this, that's going to be the best way to grow the hot breath of verse. So I really do appreciate your time. I won't take up much more of it. So let's go ahead and get out of here. I am comedian Joel Byers. If you do want to see me actually perform live, I host a show every single Wednesday at Java Monkey in Decatur, Georgia. I also teach a comedy class right here in Atlanta, Georgia at Highwire Comedy Company. You can go to joelbyerscomedy.com for info on my schedule and my class. I also wrote a comedy writing book with Dr. Robert Joseph. We out here. So if you'd like to support in any way, you can also go to patreon.com slash hotbreathpod. You can contribute to the podcast directly that way. But overall, your listens are what's most important. So the more we can get listens, the more we can grow the awareness of this beautiful hot breath of verse. So thank you for your support and continued commitment to this as we are entering over 120 hot breath episodes of course thank you to my engineer amon garner for keeping these sounding crystal clear and finally as you all know i have to thank my wife she made the theme song and now i'm forever indebted to her now legally now that we're married but i love you dear and i love you hot brethren and sister and so until next monday Right here on Hot Breath.